It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 8.07 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves with Georgia Gardener. I'm here to help you be more successful. Whatever you're trying to do in your landscape, in your garden, with your trees, shrubs, flowers, it doesn't matter. I'll help you get there with the least amount of work possible. This is a lazy man's garden show. This is not a place where we tell you to do 19 things in a row. This is a place where we say one thing to do. Go inside, cool off, get a glass of tea, then go outside tomorrow. We get the rest of it done. Our number is 404 872 750 404 We've got a great lineup of calls. Mike and McDonough wants to know about how to pollinate his heirloom tomatoes. Mary needs to know about her water oaks that needs to be replaced. Joey is in Bowersville. That has a question which I haven't gotten on the screen yet. Rebecca needs to know about her pumpkin vine leaves at borers. Mark and Athens has a gardenia with holes in the leaves. But you know something that I have been talking to Ashley about this morning is about what she was doing yesterday. Because I know it was a big day for you in Athens yesterday, Ash. Morning. I got to go up to Jefferson, Georgia. So yeah. I took 85 all the way out of Gwinnett County. And I've been working with the leadership team for Build for Devon, for Devon Gales. Ken, tell um, us that story. Tell the whole story of Devon Gales. So Devon Gales is the Southern University player from Baton Rouge who got paralyzed in that game against Georgia three years ago, September of 2015. And immediately, Coach Richt and his staff and Ron Corson took Devon under their wing. He was at the Shepherd Center, of course, for months after that injury. So over the course of the three years... The family has slowly made their way from Baton Rouge to becoming residents of Lawrenceville. Okay. So the efforts were started right after the accident to build him a home. Uh, the ball got dropped. Some things happened. And Coach Richt moved down to the University of Miami. Right. So with the, the new Kirby Smart administration, um, you know, things just kind of got, got lost. So we picked the ball back up. And, you know, to use a football term, we, we've almost run it into the end zone. I mean, right. it's amazing how much this um, project has grown now. So... Yesterday, went up to, to Jackson County, and we did the groundbreaking on the lot that's going to be the, the home site for the Gales family. Finally, after three years, we're getting this done. Because you've raised a lot of money for it, right? Donations and stuff? Yeah, the fundraising efforts had kind of been, you know, petering along up until this past spring, the G-Day game. Uh -huh. So we were able to run promos and commercials here on WSB Radio asking folks to donate. So it skyrocketed to over $200,000. Our goal was $500,000, but right. we're, we're doing well at two hundred, two hundred and fifty thousand. dollars $250,000. A lot of things for the home have been donated, like the plumbing and the roofing. And we're not even there yet, but yeah. so many good local companies have come forward wanting to volunteer their services and their materials so the groundbreaking was so significant yesterday for the family. And the father, Donnie, he has had to stay behind in Baton Rouge to keep his job at UPS while the rest of his family's been living here so Devon could continue treatments at the Shepherd Center. Right. So once the house is built and all of that, you know, maybe by hopefully spring or, or summer of next year, the family can be reunited and Donnie can be transferred to Atlanta. Wow. That is really, really great, Ashley. It's so inspiring to know, the A, the responsibility that the university took for this player that was paralyzed during a football game with the University of Georgia. 
and then sort of the d- dedication that you and the leadership team have taken to make sure this thing did not fall to the wayside. It's going to get done. Exactly. D- Devon and his family, he's now, I think, 22, 23 years old, and they've been so patient and just so faithful about this entire process right. that no one would want to leave them just hanging. So um, the efforts go forward, and we have a Facebook page, Build for Devon, and also to donate, uh, it's buildfordevon.com. That's the official page. And WSB listeners, of course, and Bulldog Nation are just so supportive of this young man. It's really great to see. And his name is D-E-V-O-N? Yep, Build for Devon, D-E-V-O-N. All right. Actually, I'm so proud of you. You do such a great job. Go dogs. Oh, go dogs. Thanks for talking about that. Mike, Stanley McDonough. And Mike joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Michael, good morning. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, all right. What's going on? Room, uh tomato propagation question yeah um, I was wanting to know if I kept the seeds from an heirloom tomato would it be pure to that tomato or would it be a mixture of the other varieties around it that how close sense. are the other varieties around it oh about two feet <laughs> probably it'll be pretty close to true Mike because Tomato flowers are perfect flowers. They have the male and the female parts in the same flower. So pollen does not have to go very far to pollinate true on tomato plants. Not like the pollen from, say, a squash and a watermelon or a cucumber and a, and a cantaloupe or something like that, where you have to have a physical transfer. It could be several inches or a couple of feet for the pollen to go from one place to another. With a tomato, just a quarter of an inch, maybe. And so the pollen from the flower usually comes true to the parent on heirloom tomatoes, yes. It'd be better if your others that were, you know, that close two feet away were five to ten feet away, but you'll still get, I think, pretty true seed. Okay. It's not guaranteed, but likely. Yeah, not like not a guarantee, but very likely they'll be heirloom. They'll be the same thing that you had this year. Yeah, sure. Okay. So if I wanted to experiment with crossing, I could just manually take a paintbrush and go from flower to flower. Yeah, you sure can. You sure can. You can go in there. Matter of fact, if you really want to experiment with it, Mike, go in and look at the flower and know the parts, know the female and the male parts of the flower. The female obviously is a little green thing in the middle, and the male is the one with the little yellow, yellow stickery pads around the edge, and learn how to take out the male parts, the little pollen-bearing parts of the tomato plant, and move them with a tweezer. Just take it with a tweezer. Go from one flower to the flower you want to pollinate and take all the male pieces of that flower away and dispose of them. And you get just a real fun, interesting way of maybe improving the breed of tomatoes. We'll call it Mike's favorite tomato or something like that. Give it a name. Would you see the result on that tomato, or would you have to plant the seeds of that? To plant see the what, seeds. See you want to get the seeds off the tomato that if you pollinate a flower, and you get a tomato from that flower, you'll save that tomato and save the seeds from that tomato, plant them next year, and you'll find out what you have. All right. Sounds good. Thank hey, you. Mike, you know, just thinking about you, I did something that I thought was very interesting this past week. I did a little exploration of the history of big boy and better boy tomatoes, which I really didn't know anything about. And frankly, I did not know that they'd been introduced 50 years ago. Better Boy and Big Boy Tomatoes have been around for 50 years. And because I learned all this stuff about them, I went ahead and posted a web page on my website about the history of who brought the seeds from there and what they crossed it with, that sort of thing. You might find that interesting since you like to know a little bit about tomatoes and pollination and heirlooms and things like that. It's an interesting thing to see on my website. All right. Will do. All right, Mike. Good talking to you. We'll see you. you.
We've got uh, Mary in Watkinsville joining us. Hey, Mary. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. How can I help? Um, I, I have one question and two comments from previous callers. All my right. question is, what? <clears throat> um, between my driveway and my neighbor's driveway, stretches about 12 feet, and there are two 40-year-old water oak trees, okay. the most annoying trees in the southeast. No, sweet gum yeah. takes the prize, but water oaks are but a close second. That's true. That's true. It does take the prize. Um, I need to have those cut down because I'm afraid the roots are going to be invading both of our driveways mm. within yeah. the next few years, and I need to replace them with something that would provide a barrier between my house and their house mm -hmm. visually and something tall enough that it can give our garage the shade that it's been used to having. Mm. Do you have any suggestions? I sure like my Natchez crepe myrtle. You know I do. Natchez crepe myrtle doesn't have nearly the big invasive roots that a oak tree does. So a big uh -huh. tall Natchez would not be a bad choice, I don't think. Um, let's How see. Tall How do tall? They get? Pardon? How tall will they get? Mine's 30 feet, probably, maybe even a little bit higher than that. Maybe 35, okay. 35 feet. It's pretty big. Natchez crepe myrtle, okay. Um, how tall do you need to have the shade on the garage, Mary? You need 20 um, feet, 40 feet, 80 feet? What do you need? As much as I can get without having something <laughs> get top heavy and tall, fall yeah. over on the house. Yeah, you worry, <laughs> you worry about it being too tall. Let me think what something else you could put out there. Red buds are not going to get quite tall enough for you. Service barrier is not going to get quite tall enough for you. Um, that's a nice small tree that we could give Mary here. Are there, are there any like arborvitae that might be tall yeah, enough? Boy, they don't get quite tall enough for you. The, the um, green giant is a possibility. It gets up to 20 to 30 feet tall. So you might look online and see something green giant's a possibility. I'll tell you what you can do, Mary. I have a list for you. I have the list you need. Go to my website and type screening. One word, screening. I've got a whole page of different size shrubs, different size trees, different size barrier things that are narrow, that are wide, that are evergreen, that are not evergreen. And look at some of the things that I have there and see if some of them don't uh, strike your fancy, <laughs> see if one of those yeah. would work for you. The Natchez, I think, is a real good idea, but you know, you might want another choice, something else to think about. So try screening at WalterReeves.com. Okay. I will do that. All right. Um, a quick comment on the man who has the loofah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been growing loofah for years, and um, whenever I have problems with those little insects, I take a Q-tip and dip it in Vaseline. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And paint it around the part that they're trying to eat. So they get they stuck in the that. Vaseline. Yeah, sure, great idea. I didn't think about that. Another one is putting big clumps of Vaseline around the pole that is holding the vine up mm -hmm. and around the vine itself a foot off the ground that kind of helps keep them from growing up. You mean it keeps the and vine from growing up? Keep Keeps the insects from growing up. Oh, keeps the insects from growing up the vine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're growing up the vine. And I've also tried spraying the bottom part of the loofah below the floral line with um, just insecticide, you know, ant killer, rodent right, killer, right, stuff right, like right. that. 
And you're being real careful not to hurt the pollinators like we were talking to Jose about earlier. Doing it below the pollen line, below the the floral line. Good idea. That helps with that. The guy with the grass that's growing in his centipede is a pain in the patootie. And (laughs) the best thing to do is to get uh, one of those foam paint brushes with dilute Roundup and paint the grass. Yeah, that's a great idea. That has worked really, really well for me. Just puts the paint right where the weed is, and you can control it real nicely, real easily. And that way you know that you've got the the herbicide on the weed, not on the grass. Gets the weeds out of there so you can plant the grass around it. Those are great ideas, Mary. Thanks so much for suggesting. You can host the show next time. It's 819 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. More and more students head back to school on Monday. Smile and Mark McKay for Scott Slade. Depend on triple team traffic and Kirk Mellish weather. Every six minutes on Atlanta's Morning News. Join us starting at 4.30 a.m. What she's left me on the side of the road The older she gets, the slower we go But there ain't nothing wrong with the radio <laughs> Nothing wrong with the radio A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security 30% chance of rain later today High of 87, low of 72 On Sunday, mix of sun and clouds Another 30% chance of rain High of 88, low of 72 Sunday as well Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB Rebecca is up until Lonega Has a question about her pumpkins Hey Rebecca, good morning Hi, how are you? Hey, I'm fine, Rebecca, how can I help? Well, my husband had planted some of the giant dill pumpkins. Yeah. And it was more kind of a just a gag. We planted them in a burn pile. Yeah. And they flourished. And they were growing. And now the leaves are turning yellow, and he thinks it's a boar worm, pretty sure. Mm. So he drilled it out. And um, anyway, so that's still there, and we were just wondering how can we prevent that next year. So is the whole vine dead now, Rebecca? No, it's still growing. How many leaves are yellow? Is it are they wilted and yellow, or yellow and firm and spreading out, or what's what's the symptom? They're wilted and yellow, but um, they're dying from the base back. Uh, if you and have a borer, a vine borer on a pumpkin or squash either one, usually you'll see frass, and frass just means poop, basically. <laughs> it's green or yellow, probably, coming out of a hole in the pumpkin or squash vine. And yeah. it'll usually wilt beyond that point. Usually if it's in the main vine of the of the squash or the pumpkin, you know, it just wilts all the way down the vine. You don't have anything left because everything's dead. If you have vine borers, then the easiest thing to do is to cover over your plants before they start flowering. Just cover them over with, uh, what do they call it, floating row cover. It keeps the borer moth from getting in there and laying her eggs. It becomes the borer eventually there. If you want to go on my website, you can see some pictures of vine borer larvae inside the, inside the vine and give you some more ideas on how to control it there too, Rebecca. It's 828 at News Talk WSB. Back to more Lawn and Garden after news. 
It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 8.35 on a Saturday morning, 72 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia gardener, here to help you be more successful in your landscape. One of the great ways that I stay successful is hanging out with people smarter than me, one of whom, several of whom, but one of whom turns out to be Mickey Gasway from Pike Nursery. Hey, Mickey, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. I'm hoarse this morning. I had woke up this morning. Very, very hoarse. I've been sucking on a little... Sucrets all morning long. It hadn't done any good, but I'm still here. My brain is engaged. My voice is somewhere else. What can I do Thank for you? you? Some honey and lemon juice. Honey and lemon juice. Why did I think of that? That's yes, exactly that what I right. need. Honey and lemon juice. My mother's favorite cough syrup. Yeah, syrup. I would have brought you some honey if I'd known. That's what I need. <laughs> so, Mickey, our usual point of business on Saturday morning is simply to find out what is going to be on sale. And I understand there's two things going to be on sale today. That's right. Or, uh, no, just one. Orchids. Oh, orchids. Okay. Orchids. What about... Yeah. You, you've got something else confused with that. Oh, okay. Later. So all the orchids are like the phalaenopsis and dendrobiums. Phalaenopsis and oncidiums and um, dendrobiums right. and all those big names. <laughs> There's a lot of syllables. I'm very proud of myself yeah. when I remember them. Yeah, you know, and orchids are not hard to grow particularly at all. And you have classes just to make sure everybody knows what to do with their orchids. That comes up this coming week, right? That's right. We've got one uh, Tuesday night at Peachtree City, and Wednesday night at Swanee. Thursday night at West Club, and Saturday at Lindbergh. Okay, and so that's going to be about orchids and African violets. And African, African violets. African violets are not right. on sale today. It's just the orchids on sale today and tomorrow, I should say. That's right. All Pike Nursery locations. That's it. And we've got. Uh, I'm. I'm not really an orchid expert. I have really been studying hard for this class, but I have had great luck with the moth orchids, the Phalaenopsis. So that's my. That's my favorite. So, what do you think about using ice cubes to water them? I think it's okay. I do too. I know some people say no, but I mean, I wouldn't put it right on top of the leaf. Right. But I'll put it underneath, and by the time it it although I do think you need to kind of spritz the the aerial roots some too, the mm-hmm. epiphytic roots, the ones that stick out. I think you need to to miss those some too, which the ice cube wouldn't do that. For a while, I was taking uh, Miracle Grow and mixing my mix it with ice. And, and, I mean, mix with ice. I put it in the ice cube tray. Mm-hmm. And then my family objected severely. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> so, put it in their iced tea? They did put it in their iced tea. They said, what's wrong with ice? It doesn't taste right. I said, oh, did that's they grow a lot that, Did they grow that week? <laughs> I need that. That's funny. It was very light blue. They just didn't realize that it was blue fertilizer in the water. So, oh, okay, okay, okay. I'll stop oh, doing God. that. So I don't do that anymore. But I do water orchids when I have one with ice cubes, just plain water ice cubes, put a, two or three of them on top of the on top of the mm-hmm. roots and that works just fine. So you water them very gradually. Right. Right. I think one of the most interesting thing, interesting things I saw when we were in Costa Rica about five or six years ago, I guess now, was a tree covered. I mean not a single square inch of that tree was not Covered with either an orchid or a bromeliad, one of the oh other. Oh my it was gosh. Just a tree just formed 
from those two plants, and those must have been a trunk and some limbs and leaves underneath there somewhere. There was all was orchids. Something and that they had done, or was it naturally? Oh, it was naturally. It's out in the jungle. Oh, yeah, wow! Because yeah, yeah. that's where the both of those plants, where they grow naturally, yeah. is in on the trunks of trees, on the yeah. limbs of trees. Bromeliads just have the greatest time there, and the orchids were having a happy time too. They were blooming sporadically; not a lot of them were blooming. But you could tell the difference between the two plants. Well, you know, that's what I always tell people. that when, Because most of our orchids are epiphytic or tr- growing trees, the yeah. ones that we grow as houseplants. Just imagine that when you're watering them. You know, imagine how it would be for that plant. It wouldn't hold a bunch of water. So. They want to be watered once, maybe a week, enough mm-hmm. to let them dry out a little bit between waterings and water again. And if it's real humid inside the house for reasons I don't know why it would be real humid inside the house, but you don't have to water them every day or every right. other day. No, not at all. And a lot of people, put, you know, put the pebbles underneath and just make right. sure it doesn't sit the doesn't sit down in the water, but sits on top of the pebbles. And is it, um, is it, what does it does when it goes, if the water goes away? It, it, it dries out. Evaporates. Is it evaporates? Then it, it helps moisture. That's, that's. They tell me that works. One of my neighbors the other day showed me their orchid, Mickey, that had, well, I think it's called a rabbit's, rabbit's foot orchid, but it had those hairy epiphytic roots that were just really whitish gray hairs coming over the edge of the pot. They had gone down the side of the pot were actually going out on the table where this orchid was growing. It was the weirdest thing in the world, but that's a healthy orchid. It had pretty leaves oh, on it. I've never seen that. Yeah, the big hairy roots coming down the pot, out on the table beside it as well. Yeah. Interesting. Orchids are a fascinating plant. They're thousands they are. Of and do you know that somebody tell me there were 150,000 different um, wow. groups? Or, I don't know if it's groups or not species, I guess. Well, groups. Pike does not sell 150,000 no, orchids. They only sell a few, but they're all pretty, they're wonderful, and they're 20% off at all Pike nursery locations today right. and tomorrow. Right. And all you have to do is go to the cashier and say, hey, this is Mickey's Pike Pick of the Weekend, 20% off. And uh, use the other 20% to buy some uh, miracle Grow or some soil conditioner or some mulch, and that was what you do with money you orchid save. Food. Orchid, orchid food. Orchid food. The yeah. orchid food, put that in there as well. So making the orchid classes again going to be this coming week at various locations around the metro Atlanta. That's right. And you'll be teaching. And then, oh, let me tell you one more thing. Sure. We've got the class for new gardeners coming up. Oh, that's right. That's right. And I hope right. everybody will, if you've got any new gardeners or transplanted gardeners, uh, I hope we'll come. That's going to be the towards, I think it's like three weeks from. Yeah, the 21st to the yeah, 20, 20, yeah. And the yeah. T- yeah, 29th, I don't know, something like that. Anyway, check, check on, you know, where, and um, you'll see it. Well, as a matter of fact, Mickey Gasway, where should I go to check on where the Pike Nursery locations are and all the details about the classes coming up? At PikeNursery.com. That is exactly right. You win the prize. Mickey, I'll talk to you next Saturday. Okay, thank you. Bye. See you soon. We've got, let's see here, one, two, three, four. Jerry is in Bowman, Georgia, and he joins us on Lawn and Garden. Jerry, hey, good morning. Morning. How hey, Jerry. I, I've got a question about my peach trees. Tell it to me. Uh, they were they're about six years old, and, and the branches were spread out so far this year that I had a couple of them break off. Hmm. Uh, I want to know how soon, if they've already, the fruit's already gone, Yeah. Uh, how, how early I can go ahead and prune them and, and get them going for next year and cut them back. Yeah, you know, if the place where they broke... Jerry, that needs to be cleaned up now. If it's a real ragged cut or a break there where, the, where it came apart, then that needs to be cleaned up right now. 
But I think for the main pruning, if you need to shorten them a good good bit and to shape up the tree so it's not as likely to break apart next year, do it when the leaves are off. Do it in January, February, something like that. Nice warm afternoon in January. It'll be fine to prune peach trees then. All right, good deal. One more question if yeah. you have time. Uh, my grapes this year have little brown specks all over them, little brown spots. And uh, mm. I want to know what caused that, what I need to do. Look for two things. Look for stink bug number one. Stink bugs sting. They call sting, but that's not really true. They're feeding off the grapes uh, on, a, on a grapevine, and so that makes little brown spots where they put their nose into the fruit. Well, stink bugs would be one thing. There are what is the disease? It's not Pierce's disease. It's a disease of grapes, which is really... It's not coming to my brain right now, but look for stink bugs first, Jerry. And if you don't see any stink bugs on the grapes, go to my website, type muscadine diseases, and see what I say on there about disease. There's another disease called spots on the leaves. It's not scab. It's not scurf. It's not Pierce's. It's something else on grapes. And it's too late in the morning. I can't figure out what it is. But there's another disease that does cause spots on the fruit. I'll do that. Stink. I didn't see any stink bugs, so I would assume that's probably what it is. Probably is. Jerry, it's I great talking to so you. Much. Thanks for calling. Thanks for calling. We got uh, Mark in Athens on the line. Hey, Mark, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How can I help? I've got a gardenia that has something boring on a couple of the leaves, boring through the leaves, yeah. and uh, I hope to transplant this gardenia. Um, oh, it's in about a, a two-inch diameter clay pot right now. Yeah, small plant, but I hope to plant it in or transplant it into a much larger container, about a one-foot diameter container. Okay. In hopes, I have high hopes for the uh, growth of the plant, obviously. Where did you get a gardenia that's only in that very small container, Mark? Uh, actually, my sister, who claims to be a uh, green thumb master gardener, yeah. uh, gave it to me um, and had certain advice. But Did she root it or I, something? Did she, is that why it's in such a small pot? She did. Okay. She did. Okay, now I understand. Okay, go ahead. So you got... A couple of holes and a couple of leaves, but no, not well, every leaf. There are more than a couple. Uh, oh. One of the leaves looks like it was shot with a shotgun. Uh, and uh, there are a couple of other leaves that are that show, you know, marks of where the of whatever it is has been eating yeah. the, the entire leaf. So, but is it not? Sure is it, it necessarily is, an insect eating the leaf, or could it be a disease that's causing the tissue of the leaf to fall out to make little little shot holes in the leaf um i'm i'm assuming something is eating but i just wondered if something like in the bare blue bottle might a spray might help uh, if it's an insect yes if it's a disease no no <laughs> so there's your question all right here's what i would do Look at the holes and see if there's somewhere on the leaf where it's not developed into a hole yet, but see if there are little places, disease spots that look like a target. That seems to me to be always the characteristic of a disease on a leaf on a plant. It looks like a target. There's where the initial infection was, and then it spreads out from there in rings around it, one, two, three, four, five rings, and they get bigger and bigger and bigger. But if you see any target-like spots on the leaves, that says disease, not insect. 
If, on oh, the other okay. hand, the holes in the leaf are completely clean around the edge, you don't see any kind of spreading from that point on out, that says to me insect, and that would be where the blue bottle would do what you need to do to kill the bugs. I see. I appreciate that. Um, one, one other quick question. When I transplant this uh, into this much larger container, uh, again, my sister, the Green Thumb Master Gardener, right. um, uh, at least as she presents herself, says that I can put uh, packing peanuts in the bottom of this very large container no. and then put the soil in on top oh, of that okay. to take up space. If Would you, you have like at that? least oh, 12 inches or so of soil on top of a container, let's say the container is 20 inches deep, yes, you can put packing peanuts, or I use sometimes uh, plastic bottles, water bottles or something like that that I put caps on, and you can fill up the bottom four, five, six inches maybe with that, and then put soil on top. As long as the soil is at least 12 inches deep, then you've got plenty of room for the gardenia to, to grow in it, but it has to be at least 12. I think 14 would probably be better. But I know what you mean. Real tall pots, there's no sense in filling it full of potting soil. It's expensive stuff. But you can put packing peanuts or, again, plastic bottles or something like that at the top or the bottom of the pot, and that'll work fine. It's 848 News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. More and more students head back to school on Monday. Smiling Mark McKay for Scott Slade. Depend on triple team traffic and Kirk Mellish weather every six minutes on Atlanta's Morning News. Join us starting at 4.30 a.m. There's a little girl in our neighborhood. Her name is Charlotte Johnson and she's really looking good. I had to go and see her, so I called her on the phone. I walked over to her house and this was going on. Her brother was on the sofa eating chocolate. How long does this story go on? It just goes on and on and on and on and on and on. Well, we need to do a weather forecast here. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Mix of sun and clouds today and tomorrow. 30% chance of rain both days. Highs of 88 and 71 or 72 degrees. And that is that. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes with News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Story's still going on, right? Okay, great. Well, Mike in Atlanta, join us on the Lawn and Garden Show for the last question of the morning. Hey, Mike, good morning. Hey, hey, Walter. Thanks for taking my call. Sure, man. What's up? Um, I've got a, in my backyard, I live in Vidalia, and in my backyard, I've got a large pecan tree. Yeah. And about, it started about three years ago. I started getting this black, uh, it's either black mold or black scab. Uh, my pecan tree, and it's all over the branches, the leaves, and the nuts. Mm. But there's nothing coming up the main trunk. It's, it's just the branches that with the leaves and the nuts. Is it spots on the leaves, Mike, or is it just a covering, just a sort of solid black covering on the leaves and the trunk? It's a, it's a, it's a solid black covering. It, the nuts are no good. It, the nuts dry out. All right. you got two uh, things squirrel, going on. The squirrels don't even come around anymore because there's nothing to eat. There's two things going on. One, you have pecan aphids. And aphids, when they get in any big tree, they're always greedy and they secrete this real sticky honeydew stuff that gets all over the leaves, all over the trunk, sometimes on the mulch underneath the tree. And the honeydew is a substrate for sooty mold. So what you have right. to figure out how to do is to control the aphids in the pecan tree. And, the, and if you do that, the sooty stuff on the trunk and on the limbs will go away. You also have a disease called scab, and that's simply something that you can't control yourself. There's nothing you can do about it. 
If you want to go on my website, Mike, and look for a scab on pecans, you'll see some of the varieties that are resistant. There are a lot of varieties that right. have no resistance at all, and they simply, you just have to take the good years and the bad years. Some years you'll have pecans, and some years you won't. Mike, i got to go, but thanks for the call. I want to thank Ashley Frask for doing such a good job screening our calls this morning. Paul Andreessen was our engineer this morning. Chose our music. The story is still going on. Thank you, Paul, for bringing us that story this morning. Next Saturday, we'll be back again for another edition of Lawn and Garden. Go to my website, get your questions answered. If you did not get an answer today, and follow me on Twitter, on Pinterest, on Facebook, and subscribe to our bi-weekly email newsletter. Dave Baker's in the house. The Home Fixing Show is straight ahead. We'll see you next Saturday morning.